Welcome to another of the Cood Street podcast that Jonathan and I have been doing in short form since March, I think, at this point. And this uh, today, I am really delighted to talk with uh, World Fantasy Life Achievement winner and the only science fiction writer that Harold Bloom ever liked, uh, John Crowley. How are you today, John? I'm very well, thank you, Gary. Nice to see you again. It is, and and how are th- how are things in uh, in Massachusetts these days? Which I gather is not, I guess where you are has never been a critical hotspot for this. No, it is not. We have at the moment in my little tiny town, we have one active uh, case. Okay, so, uh, so I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that is a little bit uh, uh, old, but I don't think there's more than one or two. <laughs> pretty sure so well, we don't so, have any, don't have that kind of uh of uh pressure really well it's Still a stay home all the time but well you know. of course yeah it, it, it's an odd world i was thinking uh, uh one of the novels that came out uh, just before the pan- pandemic began was the sarah pinsker novel where every where concerts don't happen anymore because everybody's scared of disease and terrorism yeah. and i it made me think uh, of a of a story of yours that's in uh, the collection uh, and go like this is called spring break where basically nobody goes to college anymore at all right and, and spring break is right. going that, to visit now, the college you would have been at it's kind of prophetic isn't it they do all their stuff online he's he's working on a project with a guy he's someplace in the u.s and he's got a uh, a partner that he's working with who's in singapore right uh, and and he decides at some point to go back. It, it's actually one of your few horror stories, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, it's a funny thing. I, it was actually the only horror story I've written, and uh, it came about because I had had the idea of somebody in the future going that college, university changes entirely, mm-hmm. and instead of going there in the winter for classes, you do classes online, and in the summer you go to have fun. Go to spring break. It's the only thing the university is for. <laughs> and uh, when I when I uh, talked about this to um, oh I'm not going to be able to remember her name. Uh, she has done a lot of uh, collections of stories of various. Oh, Ellen? I don't know. You recognize her name if I could think of it, but I can't. Oh. Um, Do you and mean I asked. About this and how does this sound? This is, okay. this is how how about this idea? And she said, "Oh, it sounds great, but it's got to have something horrible in it." <laughs> <laughs> so I started over, and uh, I, my original conception, he was just going to go wandering in the library and be amazed at uh, the vastness of it all and the numbers of books on the shelf. But I said, "Okay, I can come up with something." That's how I came yeah. up with this. Uh, but the, the hinting, it story. seemed very logical, and it's sort of I guess it's okay to. Sp- semi-spoil a short story, but there's a bit of a cask of Amontillado in it toward the end. <laughs> exactly. With, with, and with, a little bit of uh, the pit and the pendulum, too. Well, there is that. Uh, but I, but I, 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 I think I, one I of think the things... I'm, I'm getting some feedback. I'm hearing myself on your end. Oh, okay. I'll turn you, I'll turn you down then a little okay. bit. Is that okay now? Uh, I, I think so. I can't hear myself now anyway. Okay. Uh, you were a little bit uh, too low for me to hear. Oh, oh uh, I'm sorry. That's I'll oh, try that's to I'm, We're good now. Okay, good. Um, well, anyway, let's 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 talk about what uh, what we talk about on all these short podcasts, which is, you know, during this odd time, what do you find yourself reading and enjoying? Well, it's interesting. I have a couple of uh, things I just uh, 
looked into and have gotten through. One is I have this very old um, edition of three short novels by Graham Greene. They consist of This Gun for Hire, The Confidential Agent, and The Ministry of Fear. Oh, his and entertainments. What? What he yeah. called his yes. entertainments. Right, except they're they're really amazing. They're just the writing is so is astonishing to me. His uh, constant uh, building of little uh, scenes, things seen, things in, uh, encountered as this character goes around the world, and he's not really observing a lot of it. It's just mostly the the, the writing that, that mm-hmm. happens. Um, uh, it's just amazing how how detailed it is. I just thought maybe I could even find a passage for you to read. This the confidential agent is a guy who's come from a country in Europe that's in trouble. The uh, yeah. um, fascists are, have been taking over, and there's bombing and stuff like that. He's come to he's come to uh, um, England to try to get uh, some rich coal. Uh, magnates to sell his country and his people a huge amount of coal in order to get uh-huh. the munitions factories working and stuff like that so he goes around and that's what it's all about as they think he goes from place to place um and uh tries to tries to get this thing off it's incredibly complicated uh it's, but it's quite remarkable here's uh here's a, uh, just one little paragraph okay for the dusk fell. Lights came out like hoarfrost. He lay on his back again with his eyes open. Oh, to be home. Presently got up and shaved. It was time to be gone. He buttoned his overcoat up round the chin as he stepped out into the bitter night. An east wind blew from the city. It had the stone cold of big business blocks and banks. He thought of long passages and glass doors and a spiritless routine. It was a wind to take the heart out of a man. He walked up Guilford Street. The after-office rush was over and the theater traffic hadn't begun. In the small hotels, dinners were being laid and oriental faces peered out from bed-sitting rooms with gloomy nostalgia. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful and very noirish, too. It Almost irrelevant, but it's at the same time, it's, it, it's just, it builds this very uh, thorough kind of picture of, of England in like 1939 or 1937. It's really great. Late late in life, he, there's a, a, a small collection of short stories and novellas of his called A Sense of Reality, uh, uh-huh. which really approaches fantasy a bit. As a matter of fact, I think one of them sort of is a fantasy. And it, they're elegantly written and the sort of thing that when he was alive, uh, his admirers paid little attention to because... I'm. Because I think what you were reading was at least as beautiful a piece of prose as anything in The Power and the Glory, but there was always this literary versus entertainment schism with him. Yeah. Well, and this this one is uh, it's remarkable. It's kind of an entertainment. It's a it's a it's definitely a spy story and a, yeah, you know, sure. all that stuff. And he's chased around, and gets beaten up, and you know, there's a woman involved and all that. But the but the various paragraphs that he moves through the these landscapes and scenes he moves through are just so um, fully imagined. I yeah. was very surprised. I haven't I mean I haven't read that much even late Green myself. I, mean, I read Power and the Glory and I read a few couple of others, but 
I don't right. remember very well. This really took me by surprise. <laughs> pretty what, what else have you been reading? Well, um, picking up old stuff still. I, I picked up, I had it on the shelf for um, decades. Uh, uh, Everything That Rises Must Converge, Flannery O'Connor's collection of stories. Uh-huh. And I read the story that's called Everything That Rises Must Converge in the, in the, in the book collection yeah and it is just a terrifying story i think it's yeah it's it's a story about this kind of feckless guy who thinks he's a good man and tries to help people and he he teaches the uh the soccer team or the football team or something like that he likes thinks he likes children and he's got a he's got a son of his own His, his wife is dead and he uh kind of half adopts this nasty little criminal who has a uh, short one short leg and has to use this big right. uh, foot boot all the time and it just gets worse and worse as this guy continually tries to imagine that he's going to convert the kid and make him a good person and make him you know a gentle person like his own son and it, and it gets worse and worse until the ending you say oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, that title, that title just, has something to do with Teilhard de Chardin, doesn't it? Well, oh yeah, it has a little bit of that. It has a little bit of that. There's that odd mysticism. A little bit of gospel. It has a little, yeah. you know, it has all those kinds of things, but it doesn't. Um, it's uh, mostly about um, this terrible, awful situation that this guy has gotten him into. Uh, and yeah. I think. I remember that he might possibly dies at the end. He's so I know, I, yeah, I, I don't. It's been years since I read the story, but I remember it being disturbing in all sorts of yeah. unexpected ways. Um, are there any things? Uh, this is not uh, one of the questions we ask as, as people find things that they return to, uh, you know, in times of stress. Obviously, Flannery O'Connor is not something you go to <laughs> to leave your stress. No. But do you have anything like that? That I go back to? Yeah, I've been picking things up off the shelf uh, quite a bit. I can't <clears throat> now can't pick out uh, m- many of them. I started reading a, uh, do you know the Patrick Melrose stories? I saw the T, was that the, th- I think they did a TV version of those. Yeah, there is apparently a TV version. I haven't I, seen any of that. I've not read I, them, but I, but there, it, it's a very literary TV adaptation with, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, I believe. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, and it made me want to read the novels because it was it was it was dense and layered and uh, had a very complicated uh, central character. Yes. Well, it yes, and it is about pa- some a kid named Patrick Melrose who was only starting to grow up in the old in the uh, in the first uh, right. book. It's like four of four novels. Uh, about Patrick Melrose, and he grows older as you, as you read them. I haven't read that many of them, but they're they are every single person in them, in it is awful. That's true. That was, that was <laughs> it's thing. very funny because of their awfulness, and uh, so I've been reading it. I'm not quite sure I can go on with it. Uh, I have it in uh, um, Kindle, so uh-huh. that's kind of fun, and. Um, I also picked up a book, by, a new book uh, that I've had for a long time. These are books that I've had for a long time that I haven't read. And it is a, no- a Chinese novel 
written by a Chinese uh, writer named Su Wei, W-E-I, uh-huh. and translated by, the reason I've got it is that it was translated by a student of mine at Yale. Oh, really? Named Austin Warner, and it was published by, uh, I, in fact, I got him to send it to uh, Small Beer Press, who then published it. It's called The Invisible Valley. I think and, I've seen that listed on their website. Yeah. Well, yes, and it's got a it's got a uh, uh, a plug by Ha Jin, who was a winner of the National Book Award. Mm-hmm. And it's an extraordinary novel. It opens even to Chinese readers. The world of uh, Southern hinterland, a world of rubber groves, mystery, and superstition. It's really kind of a, it's about young people who have moved have been moved to the country during the Cultural Revolution. Mm-hmm. Re-ed, they call re-ed people. Uh, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> Always, and they go. They they send them all, and it's it's kind of it's sort of scabrous and funny, and uh, apparently it's going to turn into some very strange, uh, <clears throat> uh, I guess you would call it supernatural fiction as the show as the story goes on. I haven't gotten oh, that, that far also, yet. That's fine. Uh, we should also ask. Uh, I should also ask if you have things. I know you you have. Two recent books out. I mean, the, the the reading backwards was only out toward the end of last year, wasn't it? That's right. They both came out at about the same time. That's this one in the story collection that had that story about spring break in it. And um, I, I, I have a question I want to ask about that. But do you have stories coming out uh, in the next few months or the next year or so? Um, that there's one that I rather not. Uh, discuss at the moment but we'll you'll you'll if, uh, okay things go well i'll see to so, it so we, early, we, we should we should um no i don't i haven't got anything in print at the moment or uh, even lined up to be in print um i don't write very many short stories so um, no um uh, but uh, there were two stories uh that i thought were just well there were several really remarkable stories but one of the things that interesting that happens to me as a reviewer is, and I do this a year or months or sometimes even several years after I've uh, reviewed a collection of stories, I just pick up the book and look at the cover and ask myself which of the stories I remember most vividly from uh-huh. that. And it's been several months since I since I looked at and go like this, and the two stories that uh, are just haunting me. One is called "This Is Our Town." Uh-huh. Which is, if I'm not mistaken, a story that takes place inside a, a children's textbook from the 50s. Yep. And uh, this is a Catholic school reader. It's, yeah. it's it's a Catholic school, but it's 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 a it's a metafiction fantasy, except it's just an ordinary short story at the same time. Definitely, it's all that. And I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of that, but is it a nosignosia? Anosognosia, yeah, right, <clears throat> which, which means uh, the uh, condition of having a severe uh, disease of some kind, but being unwilling to uh, uh, acknowledge it or understand that it is the case. Usually well, it applies to people who have uh, serious uh, mental uh, issues. But people, you don't, who are, yeah, people who are deluded without knowing they're deluded, I right. suppose. Exactly. Uh, right. And and yet this also is a kind of sliding doors alternate reality yep. uh, thing, which uh, 
is it looks frankly very autobiographical in bits well in in a sense it is <laughs> it's both autobiographical and anti-biographical well this, yeah it is about uh, somebody like me growing up in the town that i grew up in in indiana and uh but figuring out or somehow coming to be able to uh live a completely different life than i did uh it's, it's a different different schooling different uh uh career different pleasures different outcomes everything i think it's a brilliant story and i think everybody should read it so <laughs> so there but it's again actually, we're actually we'll go, i'm sorry this one does kind of get printed because it's uh it will come out it's it's being it was chosen for a uh, best of anthology um I can't oh, tell you. You'd know who it was if I could uh, remember who it is. But I can find it out easily enough. Um, yeah. But we're over our time limit. Well, there's not really a time limit, but we're way past 10 minutes. So. Oh, okay. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to just say again, this has been one of the uh, Cood Street podcasts, which is 10 minutes or actually more like 17 minutes with John Crowley. And thanks for joining us, John. My pleasure, Gary. I enjoy it, too. <laughs>